Welcome to Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about a personal journey to biblical counseling. All Christians have a story, a unique journey of God's kindness and grace that led them to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ by faith and then to grow in that grace in both life and ministry. As part of their story, many believers have come to embrace the truths of biblical sanctification and biblical counseling and discipleship. That is, that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the scriptures are indeed fully sufficient through the power of the Holy Spirit to help believers grow and respond to the challenges of life. With us today to share his personal story regarding biblical counseling is Pastor Terry Enns. Terry is the pastor of Grace Bible Church in Granbury, Texas, the home base for the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. He is also an ACBC certified counselor. But even more, he is my good friend, partner in ministry, and my pastor. Well, I invited Terry today to talk about the unique journey that God used in his life to bring him to a place where he embraced a biblical counseling view of discipleship as the most faithful model to the text of Scripture. I think you'll greatly be helped and encouraged by Terry's story as I was. Uh, so Terry, as we start, uh, maybe you could just uh, begin by telling us a little bit about your call to ministry. Sure. Thanks, Keith. Um, actually, w- when I was in high school and college, I had no vision at all for being in ministry. Uh, it was the furthest thing from my mind. In fact, I remember when I was In junior high, I'd gone with my dad to the seminary where he was working on his doctoral dissertation, and he introduced me to one of his professors, and uh, the professor said to him, "Uh, is this your protege? And I remember thinking, I wonder what a protege is. And so, (laughs) so I asked him as we left, Dad, what's a protege? And he explained to me what that was, and I remember thinking, though not saying, not on your life. <laughs> uh, no way do I want to be involved in doing what you're doing. And, uh, and yet, in God's kind and, and sovereign providence, uh, when I was in college, we, we were involved in a really good church in Jacksonville, Florida. And um, the, the Lord opened a number of doors for me for ministry, including some teaching in the college group. It was a very small college group. And so we kind of did some self-teaching, if you will, and opened an opportunity to go on a mission trip uh, where the the sponsor for the trip asked me to to preach. And that was my first opportunity to do that and found myself um, intrigued, interested, curious. And then over the next couple of years, uh, the Lord just used a number of different uh, circumstances, people, uh, both in the local church where we were involved and outside the church to to give me an interest and a desire for ministry. And then later in my uh, college years, junior to senior year of college, um, just felt compelled that, that what I wanted to do was ministry. I didn't know what it would look like. My, my father has been a professor for many years, and so I kind of thought that that might be where I would end up. Um, but I just knew that, that I needed to, to be involved in, in training people uh, to follow Christ. So that's ultimately what led me to seminary. Um, then um, we were in Jacksonville. My father moved to Southern California to be involved in a seminary there. And then uh, with the providential provision of free tuition, uh, I followed my folks to Southern California. 
uh, was there for two years and, and really um, dissatisfied with some of the training I was getting. And so then uh, moved to Dallas Seminary where I finished out my training in 1989. Um, so that's kind of been my journey mm-hmm. into ministry and then into, tr- into training as well. So tell us more about your experience in seminary. That's where you're getting the tools, you're getting equipped to actually do pastoral ministry, preaching ministry, and, and yeah. uh, you had some counseling training as part of that process. So tell us about that aspect of your, your story and your training. Yeah, that was actually all took place in, in Southern California. I didn't have any, any uh, counseling training at, at Dallas Seminary. Uh, so while, while I was in seminary in California, uh, took several counseling classes, and there the, the professor was an open and avowed Rogerian counselor. And I didn't have a category for, for counseling, for biblical counseling, for anything else. I just, you know, it's the next class you got to take. And so, you know, you assume I'm walking into a seminary classroom, they're going to give me what I need. And, and I remember sitting there thinking while he was talking to us about Rogerian counseling, this is just this is just nonsense. Of course, Rogerian counseling, uh, effectively, um, to, to, to be an effective Rogerian counselor, all you do is reflect back what the counselee is saying. You're not giving any prescription. You're not giving any direction. You're not giving any advice, counsel, uh, exhortation. Um, your counselee just comes in and says, I'm having trouble today. Oh, so I see you're having trouble today. <laughs> And, and it just goes like that for the whole session. And, and we even did role-playing. And I remember doing the role-playing in the class. And um, so the guy that I was paired up with came with this problem that he was dealing with. And, and I remember sitting there doing that with him, just thinking, this is, this is silly. <laughs> um, one, it was just contrived because it wasn't a genuine problem. And, and two, I, I just recognized without training, without knowing it it just was counterproductive. There, it it wouldn't be beneficial or helpful to the to the person I was trying to help. And of course, along the way, you're learning biblical hermeneutics, you're learning exegesis, you're learning biblical theology. Yeah. Were you seeing any discrepancy between what you were learning in practical theology, the Rogerian model of counseling, versus the biblical theology you were getting in your other classes? Yeah, I wish I could say. Yeah, I remember when when the light bulb went on, and I just said, "No, this is just silly." I, I would say no, other than I just had an innate understanding that this wasn't going to work. I will add, interestingly enough, my, my wife and I had no premarital counseling before we get, got married. I don't advise that, by the way, <laughs> um, except for at Dallas Seminary, and I was attending there when, when we got married. We had two counseling sessions with the counseling department at, at Dallas Seminary. Of course, they're not biblical counseling. Um, they don't have a model for biblical counseling either. And I remember the, the way that they did the counseling was we took two tests, the MMPI, the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, and the Taylor Johnson uh, Temperament Analysis. And then they analyzed us and counseled us from those exams. And again, I, I just thought this is, this is really not helpful. Um, and, and I wish a pastor had come alongside. We, we were both in good churches at the time, um, living in, in separate cities, but both in good churches, and neither neither pastor pulled us aside and said, "Hey, uh, can we help you get ready for marriage?" So, um, so you graduate seminary with yeah. that sort of training in counseling, yeah. the Rogerian model, um, you know, trained to do expositionary uh, expositional preaching, uh, biblical theology, and then you arrive in 1990, right, right here at Grace Bible Church, That's correct, where you've been for almost 27 years, and you begin the work of the ministry. So, so tell us how God began to work. 
through that process yeah. uh, in terms of counseling and discipleship? You know, I, I think the Lord actually was working prior to that. And, and you alluded to the fact that, that my training is all in um, handling the scriptures. In fact, the reason I went to Dallas Seminary was because I knew that I would be exposed to every book of the Bible. I knew by that time that I wanted to preach. And I knew that if I was going to preach, I needed to be able to handle the scriptures. And I wanted to be taught the scriptures in order to be prepared to teach. And of course, the motto of Dallas Seminary is preach the word. And taken from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. And so there, that's my model. That's how I was trained. And ironically enough, Dallas Seminary, at least at the time, and I presume it's still the same today, never made the connection between that and um, how to counsel and help people with real-life problems. But my training in seminary was all geared towards high view of Scripture and, and, and an understanding that when you get to the church, what you're going to do is preach the Word. I remember running into a guy uh, shortly after I graduated, a year or two. He was still in seminary. We were friends. We'd worked at the same place. And, and he asked me, does it work? Does preaching the Word work in the context of the church? And so that was our training, and that was our background. And then along with that, my father as well has been in ministry for many years. And I just grew up in the home and in the churches that we were involved in, uh, in, 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 in understanding the, this tremendous view of Scripture. You know, a short sermon was 40 to 45 minutes. So you just, you're going to handle the text. You're going to be exposed to the text. You've got one job as a preacher um, to, to teach what's in the text, to handle it well, to handle it carefully. So in my home growing up, I was prepared for biblical counseling, though we didn't have a category for that at the time, uh, or at least I didn't. Um, in my seminary training, I had that as well. And then I, I came to Grace in 90, and I had a very short job description. And on that job description, number one is study so that you have something to feed the people. I don't remember. That's not exactly how it was said. But, but the priority was we want to make sure that you have the time so that you can study so that when you get up on Sunday morning, you're handling the scriptures well. Now, they never asked me when I came, you know, what's your model of biblical uh, of counseling? I, I wouldn't have had an answer for them. But just the way they said, we want you to minister to us, told me, trained me, moved me um, towards a, a biblical counseling model. And, and that's just been what we've done for 27 years. I get up on Sunday morning and we open to the next passage in Scripture, and away we go. And we just preach sequentially through the Scriptures. Um, and it's not just me. You know, when you preach, you're doing the same thing. When you're teaching in Sunday school, you're doing the same thing. Our other Sunday school teachers, laymen, are doing the same thing. Um, Sunday school classrooms, everything we do here is we're just going to handle the Scriptures expositionally, and, and that's what we do. So you spend a good part of your week studying the Scriptures, your preparing those messages for Sunday, you're in the text, you're doing pastoral ministry. Yeah. At some point, 
um, that had an impact on how you began to think about counseling in contrast to how you were trained in school. So maybe you could talk to us a little bit about how that came about. Yeah, you know, in, in fact, fairly early on here, we, we ran into a number of issues, um, even within the first month, that really necessitated dealing with um, some very difficult circumstances, sinful scenarios, um, and, and we had to have answers. And, and just by default, the first thing I thought was, well, what does the scripture have to say? Um, so if there's, um, and, and this was the situation within, I think, a month or two months of being here, we had a, a, an accusation of child abuse in the church. And my, my default response, because of my training, because of my home, where the scriptures were held up high, because of my seminary training, where the scriptures were held up high, my default response was to say, well, what do the scriptures say we need to do? And, and so when, when that abuse situation came up, that was my response. When, uh, when people become, began coming to my office, I would just open the book. <laughs> I didn't know how to do anything else. I, I knew um, just reflecting back answers wasn't going to be helpful. And the only other thing I knew to do was to open the book and see what God had to say. So you kind of arrived at biblical counseling just through your expository training in seminary, handling the text, and then trying pastorally to speak the truth in love exactly. as situations arose. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and again, in another um, interesting providence, one of our elders at the time had been exposed to ACBC. It was NANC at the time, um, National Association of Neuthetic Counselors. And so um, he had passed on to me this pamphlet that uh, told about how to become a certified biblical counselor. And, and, um, and he, you know, asked me if I was interested in it. And um, at the time, I remember looking at that and thinking, wow, that is a daunting process. I don't, I don't know if I've got the time, energy to do that, but boy, that would be really helpful to do that. And um, I, would be, I would really benefit from answering those questions and working through those questions, even if I never become certified with NANC. Um, I, I just saw the value of that. And, and, and that was ultimately what I, I did end up doing a number of years later. Yeah, well, tell us about that. So you're, you're, you're sort of learning how to do biblical counseling, not because you were trained, but because you took that expositionary training in seminary and were, you know, fleshing it out in the milieu of normal pastoral ministry and caring and shepherding for people. And at some point, you did decide to pursue ACBC certification. So tell us how that yeah. came about and how has that benefited your counselor training? Yeah, um, I, I think there were a couple of things. One, I, I just became frustrated with my inabilities um, as a counselor. Um, you know, people would come up for, for, for a short period of time. I said I was the best divorce counselor in the county. Anybody I saw for marriage problems got divorced. <laughs> That's oh, not, a, oh. not a good way to think of that, no. obviously. Um, b but that just, that just indicated my level of frustration. I, I knew the scriptures had answers, but I didn't know how to take the scriptures and, and minister them to people to really help them, to grow them. And, um, and, and, and so, you know, I'm, I'm hunting around and looking and struggling and floundering. And, and it was in that time frame where you, you came to, to grace. 
And the Lord really used you in my life and, and in the life of our, our whole church body because you came with the kind of training that I needed that I never got. And, uh, and you came to the elder board at, at one point, I don't remember exactly when it was, um, a couple of years after you'd been here and said, hey, I want to pursue this certification with NANC. And uh, we granted you the time to become certified. And then I just saw how that was changing your ministry. Um, you know, you were, you're a number of years younger than I am, but people were going to you for counsel and not me. And, uh, and I thought, well, that's interesting. And, and, and obviously you had an ability to handle the scriptures in a way that ministered to people that I really felt deficient in. And I saw our lay people beca- become, uh, begin being trained as well by NANC and just really growing significantly. And, and I recognize this is, this is something I need to do not only for myself, but for the sake of the ministry of the church. And um, so I did the basic training that everybody does. I, I worked on the exam. Um, I don't remember. It took two or three years to finish the exam and then was certified. And, um, and so here we are, I don't know, probably about 10 years after I started that process, 10 or 12. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us, how has uh, receiving more training in biblical counseling through ACBC certification, through a lot of things that have gone on in our churches, as we've had opportunity to yeah. sort of turn around and, and serve others in the way that we've been served by offering training, uh, what effect has that had on your life and particularly on your pastoral ministry? Well, you know, so many things. Uh, one, it has just been... And I think virtually everyone that's been certified would tell you the same thing. It has it has had more impact on me personally than I feel like it has had on on my ability to help others. It's um, it has exposed issues in my life, things that I didn't think I was wrestling with, um, things I didn't think that needed changing. Um, just in in doing the exam, there's all kinds of things that that get raised, and and you just realize. You know, there's some things in my heart that need to be changed here, um, and, and and that that moves to a second point. I think the the area that has really helped me is not in what to do, um, but to deal with the heart motivations and the heart desires, the the inclinations, uh, and and dealing with things at a motivational level as opposed to just a a foundation, uh, just a, a functional action level. That's where I was before. I, I knew sin was wrong. You know, how do you, how do you deal with sin? Well, stop it. But it's not just stopping it. Right? Um, it's not just stopping the sin. It's, it's saying, why am I doing what I'm doing? What is the motivation? What am I desiring when I'm doing this? And I need to change the way I'm thinking about this. Um, I'll, I'll just give you one quick example of something that happened recently. I was, uh, I, I don't even remember the person that I was thinking about at the time, but a number of weeks ago, I was getting ready uh, for uh, the day in the morning, and, and, and a conversation that I'd had a few days previous had come to mind, and, and I was just rehearsing in my mind that conversation, except this time, instead of losing in the conversation, I won. Um, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's mm-hmm. you're playing that over, and instead of having a deficient answer, I've got the the winning answer, and I'm going to show him. And I remember in that moment thinking, Terry, you resolved this this conflict with that brother, and you have been forgiven, and you have reconciled. 
And you no longer, because you have sought forgiveness, granted forgiveness, you no longer have a right to have this conversation. Um, instead, what you need to be thinking is not a rehearsal of that conversation. What you need to be thinking is a blessing on this brother who is your brother. Hmm. Yeah. And how can you pray for him? And, and that all ran through my mind in about two seconds. And literally within five seconds, I started praying for that brother. And instead of, instead of being angry, I immediately moved to joy from my brother. Now, previously I would have said, well, you shouldn't be angry. But I wouldn't have dealt with it at the heart level hmm. yeah. and, and how I'm thinking about things. And that's really what is transformative. The mind has to be changed. If the mind isn't changed, ultimately you're not going to be able to put off sin. You're not going to be able to put on righteousness. And that's helped me personally um, at, a, at a very high level. And, of course, that's just changed entirely the way I'm going to counsel as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, we're, not just, we're not just interested in finding sin and eradicating sin. We're, we're, we're wanting to help people think about what it is that's driving them to sin and now how can they think in new ways because Christ has given them a redeemed mind? And then out of that redeemed mind, how can they begin righteous, doing righteous replacements of yeah. their sinful activity? Yeah, that's very good. It's, 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 a, it's a training in your own personal sanctification oh, first. Oh, abso yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, so talk to us now. How has, how has training in biblical counseling and, and really becoming a biblical counselor through this whole journey, how has it changed your preaching? <laughs> Um, it's hard for me to say, um, how does it change my preaching? Cause I, I'm not sitting there watching it, but I've had people consistently tell me, especially as the training was beginning, uh, over and over, I had people in our body saying, your, your preaching has really changed. And, and again, I wouldn't say it was anything that I set out to do, but it's just this constant awareness of if I'm going to help people with problems, it's not just explaining the text, but I want to minister the word to them um, so that they can see the connection between what those scriptures say and how they conduct their lives and even more how they're thinking about life and how they're processing life. Um, I, I do think much more in the, in the office as I'm, as I'm writing my sermons, as I'm preparing my sermons. Um, I'm thinking about connection points. Um, I'm thinking about sometimes particular people, but not not to preach at them, but I'm thinking about their life circumstances, and I'm thinking, how, how will this text shape the way they're thinking about life, and how can I, how can I bring out the relevance of this word to, to help them to think rightly about life and um, to think rightly about the God who has created them and redeemed them? Yeah. yeah, it's amazing how, you know, it's not like you may not be intentionally preparing differently, but because the whole process has shaped you and changed you, and and I think one of the things that's done for me, I know you would agree, is uh, it keeps you better connected with people. You exactly. know, to be in the trenches and counseling, shepherding in that one-on-one -on -one environment keeps you connected to the real issues of people. So so we don't become you know distant, disconnected preachers only, but we feel like we're able to shepherd from the pulpit even more effectively. Yeah, ab ab absolutely. You know, it's, it, I'm, I'm not just reading a survey about, you know, the percentage of people who are in, engaged in doing a particular thing. I've had somebody sitting in my office that week that's struggling with that area of sin. And I've recognized, um, you know, what it is that's going on in their lives um, and, and how they're thinking and how their thinking is impacting it. And 
it just exactly as you've said it it keeps us aware of where people are living and how we can minister the scriptures to them there may be pastors listening to this podcast and and maybe like you they didn't have uh, particular training in biblical counseling and seminary mm-hmm. though they may have received good training in exposition and theology and other things uh, what would you say to pastors listening who uh, are maybe asking some of the same questions that you did about how do I minister faithfully, how do I apply this theology and this expositionally training that I've learned to counsel? What would you say to that brother that's listening? Uh, how would you uh, minister to that brother in that regard? Yeah, if, if you have a high view of the scriptures, if you have a high view of the church, and we've always had that around here, um, that, that, the, that the church is central, um, that, that the church is the place where um, counseling, discipleship, um, equipping, training takes place. We don't farm it out. We do it here. Um, if you have a high view of the scriptures, a high view of the church, uh, I, I know you may look at the exam and the process for certification and say, this is a two-year process or a three-year process. How am I going to find the time? Uh, I would say, uh, if, you want, if you want to maximize your influence in ministry, you, you must do this. Um, this this is this is going to be um, another tool in your ministry tool belt that will be of, of tremendous benefit and help to you. Um, I, was, I, I might say too that I know your heart and it's my heart too as part of uh, the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship and really uh, just an extension of our church. We have a heart for pastors who uh, are on the front end of where we were years yeah. ago. Um, learning pastoral ministry or maybe already in pastoral ministry but not having particular training and that's part of what we're trying to do here through our church and through our training is to come alongside brothers and help equip them and help them in that i know you have a real heart for that um you've had times to you've had opportunities to actually minister to pastors um maybe tell us a couple of things that you would say to that brother who um is trying to do this Uh, how would you encourage that brother yeah a couple of things one one is you know i've I've, I've had several pastors call me in different situations and say, hey, can you help me out with, and then fill in blank, uh, a variety of different scenarios. And, and I'd say, when, when you go through this process, now you're equipped. You don't have to pick up the phone anymore and, and call the brother and say, hey, will you help me? Will you take this counseling case from me? Or will you advise me on how to handle this counseling situation? Or will you, will you come alongside and help our elders think through those issues? Now you've been trained. You, you know how to do this, and, um, and it, it, it just will enhance and expand your ministry. It, it, it will, um, at, at times, it will be more demanding on your ministry. Um, it, it takes time to prepare to counsel. It takes time to spend with people in the counseling process, but it makes you far more effective. You're actually engaged in the lives of your people. You will know your people. Um, you'll be an encouragement to your people you know, so that you look out on Sunday morning and instead of just seeing faces, you're seeing faces whose names are stamped with the words grace because you're looking at them and you're seeing how God has worked in their lives. And you're going you're gonna to treat them and engage with them at that level of uh, people who have been graced in particular ways. So I, I think one of the things that was a real hesitancy for me at the beginning was just how much time was involved in the process of training as well as in seeing what would happen to my schedule after I was trained. Um, but the joy of, of seeing the relevance of the scriptures, um, the joy of being confronted 
uh, with your own um, needs for Christ's transforming grace. I was convinced before I turned in my exam that I was not going to pass the exam because I knew how prideful I was. I knew it wouldn't be helpful for me to pass. Um, that I, I was just convinced that, that, that because of my pride that the Lord would, would give me some rewrites. It's similar similar scenario when I was meeting with my supervisor. Numerous times he would say to me, Terry, when you, you know, when you were counseling in this situation, why did you do X? And I, and I didn't say it to him, but I remember thinking, because I don't know any better. <laughs> That's why you're supervising me. I need the help. Well, this is a great opportunity to get helped. Um, you know, so lay aside the pride and, and recognize you need some help in that area. And this is just such a, a great tool. And there are, there are many places, we're one, but there are many places that will be willing to come alongside and help you as another pastor and say, yeah, we want to we wanna minister to you. We, we love to do that. When my pastor friends call me and say, will you help with this? Absolutely, I'm going to help. Um, don't even think twice about it because we, we understand that this is replicating ministry. So I'm not just helping you. I'm helping all the people in your congregation, however many people that is. So uh, we see it as, as really a strategic involvement to be able to help you and come alongside. Well, amen to that. And I uh, just so appreciate you taking some time to sit down and share your story with us. Um, it is a blessing to me. And, and that, that part of your journey is one of my favorite things about mm-hmm. how God has worked in your life. And it's a joy uh, to hear it again and uh, to be involved here with you. Uh, in the ministry at Grace and in the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. Uh, We want to thank you for uh, listening today. And uh, speaking of training, uh, we want to invite you uh, to our annual training event right here uh, in North Texas that we call the Biblical Counseling and Discipleship Conference uh, that will take place right here um, this fall. And uh, attendees will receive over 30 hours of training in biblical counseling and discipleship, and they can use that training toward certification with ACBC uh, for those that are interested in that. And actually, speaking of training pastors, uh, we have a special deal that we allow one staff pastor from a local church to come for free. Uh, And that's our way of trying to be a blessing to pastors and particularly to uh, offer some of the same equipping and encouragement that we've received Uh, and pass that on to our brothers. So if you're interested in that training event or if you'd like more information about the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, you can go to our website, thecbcd.org. Thank you for listening to Counsel the Word. For more information about the ministry of Pastor Terry Enns, please visit his blog site, wordsofgrace.wordpress.com. And for more information about CBCD, please visit our website at thecbcd.org.